0: Hello again friends, how are we doing? Thanks for coming to church. This morning we continue a series we're calling Indescribable, in which we've been uh, seeking to describe the indescribable God. In each installment of this series we've looked at a different character attribute of God, and for the last four weeks of this series we decided to camp on Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6, which reads, For for to us a child is born. For to us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Last week we looked at God as our Wonderful Counselor. This morning we're going to seek him as our Mighty God. And to do that i 've invited our old friend Jeff Lucas to speak on this topic, Now most of you know Jeff, he began his career as an internationally renowned supermodel <laughs> until he was called into ministry, and he said "No more <laughs> To this day, come on Jeff, let him get a, come up here so they can get a good look at you. To this day, the world's greatest designers have said, I want him wearing my clothing. But he says, no, no. I will work for Jesus. Yes. The cover of Men's Health. When Jeff graced its cover Steady in 1989. On. You know what it said? Simply, MANTASTIC. That's what it said. <laughs> and we're thankful to have you here, my friend. Uh, Jeff also happened, he's a-, he's a pastor, uh, believe it or not. This specimen of a human is a pastor oh, in uh, Colorado, um, but he's an old friend of ours, and uh, uh, and he's an author. Yeah. And every time Jeff comes, I ask him to bring some of his books, um, because we found them to be helpful as a community to connect us to God outside of the weekend. So Jeff, what did you bring with us today? Let's talk about it.
1: Yeah. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Thank you for that beautiful introduction Pastor Troy that was uh, beautiful uh, yeah some books I forgot about that yeah uh, Faith in the Fog uh, is a book I wrote some years ago um uh, going through some challenging times and sometimes Christians experience that uh, I went through about a year of clinical depression some years ago that really lightened the atmosphere didn't it and um anyway I wrote this book Faith in the Fog this one's called Specs and Planks and um uh, I don't know whether you can see the cover of that, but it's a, a big log with a pair of glasses. And um, I said to the publisher, why did will you, why'd you do that? And they said, it looks like you. So, so there's a consistent theme here today somehow. And, uh, and then also, will your prodigal come home? There's nothing worse than having someone that you love who's loved Jesus and has walked or drifted away. But the incredible news is...
0: They're not going to believe this. I
1: know. I can't believe it myself. The Black Friday deal. Normally, these are $12 or $15. They are $5 each.
0: What?
1: It's overwhelming, isn't it, frankly? Uh, you know what? We we decided well, the price of everything is going up. I go to the grocery store and weep uncontrollably. And so we just thought, let's just bring the prices down. It's a
0: Christmas miracle. It's stunning.
1: It's, I, I just can't believe it. So... So, Thanks, Jeff. am I going to do this I'll take now? These. Okay. Yeah, it's all yours. I want them back. I'm not that cheap. All right. Well, it's so good to see you, everybody. Uh, how many were watching the Utes game? Overwhelming excitement about that. Uh, I watched it, I, th- I thought they did great. I just wanted to come up here and say how many were watching the Utes game. It makes me feel American because. I I was watching it I don't know what's going on I haven't got a clue bunch of guys in crash helmets beating the living daylights out of each other and every two minutes they stop and measure the field I haven't got a clue Um, but it was great how many of you have been watching the World Cup soccer? the game of the Lord if any of you find out later what's happening with the England match do not tell me. I'm turning my phone off and I'm anticipating the experience. Can I just say the USA played really well, a young team, and they did excellently. What has that got to do with the message today? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. I just wanted to say it. All right, indescribable, mighty to save. Indescribable is uh, this series, as Pastor Troy has said, that we are continuing in today's Ephaniah 3 17 says the Lord your God is with you the mighty warrior who saves and then I'd like to read to us some words from Jonah Jonah chapter 1 and it says this the word of the Lord came to Jonah son of Amittai go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me but Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed to Tarshish He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid and each cried out to his own God and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us and we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, Tell us, who's responsible for making all this trouble for us? What do you do? Where have you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? And he answered, I'm a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. This terrified them and they asked, what have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked him, what should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know it's my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land. But they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried out to the Lord, O Lord, please do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man, for you, O Lord, have done as you please. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him." But the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah, <clears throat> and Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights. It happened to my wife, Kay. She's uh, sitting over here. It happened to us when we went to a pizza restaurant uh, recently. The, the grinning server was welcoming, smiling, apparently nine years old, and... <laughs> He uh, came to our table and he said, how are you doing? And we said, we're, we're fine, thank you, a little hungry. And he said, that's awesome, awesome. He said, uh, would you like some ice water? And we said, yes, please, that would be great. And he said, that's, that's awesome,
0: that's awesome.
1: <laughs> he said, can I, can I take your order? What would you like? And I said, you know what, we're in a pizza restaurant, so why don't we have some pizza? <laughs> and he said, that would be Awesome. <laughs> He said, You want thin crust or thick crust? We said, Thin crust. We're trying to be a little healthy. And he said, That's awesome. <laughs> and then we had to list our ingredients. Pepperoni, he said, Awesome. And with each added ingredient, onions, or some pineapples, or some peppers, or some even anchovies, which let's face it, can be a polarizing little fish that some people adore but others are fairly resentful about. We said anchovies, yes please, you said, they're they're awesome. Anchovies, small fish, awesome. (laughs) Everything was awesome. (laughs) Sounds like a movie. (laughs) And I wanted to say a pizza is not awesome. A sunset, a glorious sunset, that is awesome. An elderly couple who've been married for 60 years and still hold hands in the street and giggle at each other, that is awesome. A pizza pre-adolescent person (laughs) is not awesome. But here's the thing. He had a favorite word. Awesome was his favorite word. The writer of the book of Jonah anyone know who that was if you do you made it up because no one knows it's an anonymous book but the writer of the book of jonah has a favorite word and it's similar to awesome the writer uses it 14 times in this little book and it's the word great he talks about a great city a great wind a great fish and Even though most of us, when we hear about Jonah, we think about a big fish and a guy running from God, the major theme of the book of Jonah is the great God, the God who is mighty to save. G. Campbell Morgan, the commentator, devotional writer, puts it like this. People have looked so hard at the great fish that they have failed to see the great God. Earlier in our worship Time, Abby and Tim and the team led us so beautifully and they could not have picked a more appropriate song as we sang out about the names of God and found strength as we did that because that's exactly what happens in the book of Jonah. There are only 48 verses in the four chapters, but God is mentioned 39 times. 22 times as Yahweh, as we sang, 13 times as God, and Yahweh, God of heaven, four times. Ironically, one of the most beautiful statements about God occurs when Jonah is really irritated with God. He says, I knew Jonah 4.2, I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. And as we're going to see, God's might and greatness is contrasted in this book with Jonah's stupidity and stubbornness. God is mighty to save and I think this is a season of life when we need to be reminded of that I've been coming to Capitol for a lot of years now I don't know how long it's been but this doesn't feel like a guest preacher spot for me Uh, forgive my presumption but I kind of feel at home with you people I don't say that as kind of cheap preacher talk Uh, I look around this room and see people that I deeply respect and love. So with with that in mind, I want to be vulnerable with you today, really vulnerable. Not for your sympathy, I don't want your sympathy, and not for further information, don't come and ask me because I won't tell you. But the last two years has been the worst two years of life for my wife and I. And not due to COVID uh, we've faced some challenges that came out of nowhere and um, the Bible says in 1 Peter 4 verse 12 don't be surprised at the fiery trial that comes upon you man have we been surprised like where did that come from so when Pastor Troy called me about three months ago emailed me actually and said we're going to be doing this series and we'd like you to preach on God being mighty I thought nah I don't want to do that because I uh, circumstantially I I don't feel it and I felt like making an excuse you know I, I can't be there in three months I've got a funeral <laughs> but they don't normally get that book that much in advance you know and so I I just thought you see and here's what I'm supposed to say here's what I'm supposed to what I'm supposed to say is I was feeling that because a lot of time we preachers their challengers are historical and then we get over it and we're all shiny and bright and fluorescent again but um, so let me just be honest with you capital mighty God I don't feel it see there are times when we believe am I getting too excited I'm sorry am I too loud Troy Thank you, Troy. Thank you. Bless your heart. There are times when we believe with energy and passion and expectation. There are times when we believe with faithfulness. And there are times when we just believe because that's what believers do. They believe. And there's an example of that in the Gospels. I love it. In John 6. There is a sad season actually for Jesus I love the fact that it's recorded Not the fact that it happened Disciples are leaving Jesus His followers, some of them are leaving him And Jesus says to Peter Are you going too? And Peter says Lord to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life We've come to believe and to know That you are the Holy One of God You see Sometimes What we've got is this Jesus, I do not know what is going on, but what I still believe is that you're it and I've got nowhere else to go, so I'm sticking with you. And the Bible is filled with the stories of people whose circumstances screamed that God was tiny and weak and disinterested, but they held on to the truth that God is mighty. Hebrews 11 35 says this Note the first sentence. I do not have time, the writer says. We don't know who that is either. I do not have time to tell about those who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging, and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. And it goes on. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves, etc. Imagine this. Just imagine this scene. An angel shows up at someone's house and says, Hey, yo, peace be with you, fear not, etc. Because normally when angels show up, humans start screaming. It's <laughs> just the pattern. And then the angel says, I've got some good news and some bad news and then some more bad news. What do you want first? And you say, well, I'll try to be positive, so give me the good news. And the angel says, you have the opportunity to be included in the book of Hebrews. <laughs> and you go, awesome. Awesome and the angel says yeah I had a pizza like that last week <laughs> and the angel says you can be included in the book of Hebrews and you say okay what's the bad news and the angel says well you're going to wander around in goat skins and then you're going to be sawn in half and you go eek <laughs> what's the extra bit of bad news and the angel says well good news in the book of Hebrews bad news is going to be sawn in half extra bit of bad news the writer to the book of Hebrews won't have time to mention your name you go I'm allergic to goats (laughs) I want to be out of this their circumstances screamed that everything was chaos and here's the thing I know some of your stories because I've been coming here a long time and when we come here, Pastor Troy you know, we drive around, we go to the coffee shop and there are two main features of our conversation first of all, he likes to confess sin so, and I say, Troy, I don't have the time this is taking too long could you, orga- could you organize it alphabetically maybe You know, and we, he does and we only ever get to D it's a waste of time But the other thing is he tells me about you, not betraying any confidences, not naming any names, obviously, but I hear your stories because this is a pastor and this is a pastoral team that loves you. I know some of your stories. There are some heroes here. you don't want to be a hero though do you? I know that you didn't want to be a hero you just wanted that bad situation not to be and I've looked at you again today stealing a glance around as our worship team led so beautifully earlier and some of you whispered to Jesus today well I'll bring you my heart it's broken but I'll bring it to you and some don't have any words we we start crying every time tim hits a minor chord <laughs> and your tears god's beautiful people are so precious like the tears that washed the feet of jesus and you don't have to have any words because your circumstances have flaunted themselves in your face but you determine to say God is mighty I want to be around those kind of people being here this weekend at Park City last night and then The Saturday evening service back out there and again today I I said to Kay I feel the presence of God here my soul has been refreshed this weekend I also feel the pleasure of God here you say oh you're you're just saying that because you're a guest speaker (laughs) no no I want to be around those who affirm that God is mighty, whatever's going on. So what else can we learn from from this? First of all, let's learn that God is mighty in mercy. He's mighty in mercy. This whole story happened eight centuries before Christ. And God said to Jonah, go to Nineveh. It's part of the modern city of Mosul, about 250 miles from Baghdad. And it was a city that epitomized evil. One of their kings, Asher Narsipal II, snappy name his parents gave him. (laughs) I've read his journal and I could not read it publicly here today. It is so depraved and unspeakably cruel and evil. Chaim Lewis, an Orthodox Jewish writer, said... The Assyrians were the Nazi stormtroopers of the ancient world. The pitiless power crazed foe. Nineveh was no ordinary city to Jonah. It carried doom laden tragic memories. It stood as a symbol of evil incarnate. And because of that the Jews hated the Ninevites. The Assyrians. They are cursed in Nahum chapter 3. And Zephaniah chapter 2. And now God is saying go tell them to repent. And Jonah is like, you cannot be serious because they might just repent and then you're going to be gracious to them, aren't you? And I hate them. Because we want God to be kind to us but not to people that we don't like. But here's the thing. God is passionate. He's passionate about people. When I was in Bible school, I was in the class of 1732. They taught us a doctrine called immutability. Immutability is the idea that God cannot be moved, that he doesn't have emotions. I think it's heresy. Hosea prophesied about a God whose heart churned within him over his people, who provoked and grieved him. The Bible describes God as being like a lover spurned. Like a compassionate mother moved for her children. Like an ecstatic father who runs out to his returning wayward son. He's described as being grieved and angry and pleased and joyful and moved by pity. And Zephaniah describes this God of ours as clapping and dancing over his children. He is passionate about people. Here's the thing though. He's passionate about you. see some of us have got this idea that when we finally meet Jesus he's going to see us and we're going to run towards him and he's going to throw his arms open and as we run up to him he's going to go no it was the person behind you but I want to tell you not out of sentimentality but out of good theology and truth if God had a refrigerator your picture would be on it So why don't we get that? It's one of the most difficult things to get because we know us. It's easier to believe that God loves the world than it is to know that God loves me. Martin Luther said most Christians have enough religion to feel guilty about their sins but not enough to enjoy life in the spirit. His grace really is amazing I feel like I'm going a little slower today than I was to, when I was talking yesterday cuz I here's what's stirring in me it is a whisper i believe of the holy spirit of god saying comfort my people comfort my people may your head be lifted may your heart be lifted he is mighty to save that thing that you did sir that you look back on and you so regret you'd like to get into a time machine and go back to the past and undo that you have named yourself ma'am after that moment but God wants you to accept the outrageous grace that is his that went even to the Nazi stormtroopers of history May the Holy Spirit enable us to accept that and celebrate it. Secondly, God is mighty in the face of our fragilities because Jonah is not bright. We had some calamity in our house this last week or so because I tried to fix something. We had a running toilet. And who knows what a running toilet is? It's, it's, you know, you, it keeps running. That's deep. I'm sorry to mention the word toilet on a Sunday morning, but let's face it, Christians use them. So it's part of the life. And uh, Kay said, let's call a plumber. And I said, fear not, fear not, for I shall fix this. And she said, oh, okay. And she gave that little nervous laugh. <laughs> I'll fix this, honey. It won't take long. Ten hours later, spread over three days, 17 YouTube videos 2 trips to Home Depot a lot of unchristian muttering and a minor flood downstairs finally Hosanna the toilet was fixed you got a running toilet? call me baby toilets are us I'm going to do it but 2 hours into the 10 hours Kay offered me a bit of advice and I said no no because I'm a graduate of YouTube University I know what I'm at if only I had listened to her it's one thing not to listen to another helpful human being it's another thing not to listen to God and Jonah's just ridiculous he's told to go to Nineveh and he runs 1500 miles in the wrong direction he's told to go northeast he heads southwest And there is this literary device in the book of Jonah, a Hebraic literary device. Now, take note of this, my friends. Write this down. If you don't write it down, even pretend to write it down. That will impress me because you can help your friends with this. You look really clever because it says... That Jonah went down to Tarshish, then down into the boat, then down into the bottom of the boat, and then down into a deep sleep, down and down and down and down. And and when you go out for lunch today over the pizza, you can say, you can say, by the way, just slip it in naturally. Did you know that in Jonah there's a Hebraic literary device? And your friends will be surely impressed by that. What is going on here? The writer is saying Jonah is going downhill and Jonah is us. One writer says Jonah is loaded with the cowardice and treason of us all. Let me say two things about that. I want to say this to you if you're not not currently a follower of Jesus. Why not give up? trying to do this on your own because it's not how you're made living without Christ in your life is like putting diesel into a gasoline car that's a bad deal <laughs> gasoline right now in England we're going there on Thursday it's currently $10 a gallon oh yeah I come back here I kiss the ground say so God bless America <laughs> Try running a, di- a gasoline car on diesel. It doesn't work. So when are you going to give up just trying to stand on your own two feet? I know a 17, excuse me, 16 year old kid who on Christmas Eve one year decided to go out with his friends and get completely drunk. And they did. They succeeded in their mission. And then they decided, let's find a church and disrupt their midnight service by throwing beer bottles at the church in the middle of the service. I know that guy because that kid was me. And then six months later, I decided to give up aloneness. I went to a little church in the east end of London. I invited Jesus into my life. Ten minutes later, I met Kay. I've got Jesus and Kay, same night, pretty good. I went with a friend. She thought my friend was cute, but I'm over that. There's a theme to this message today, isn't there? Sir, ma'am. not make a declaration of dependency Jesus I need you and let me say something to to my Christian friends here today because I think some of us think that one of these days we're going to wake up and we're going to be super Christian I'm going to wake up and I'm going to go yes I have a hunger to read the entire book of Leviticus in one go And I'm going to fast for more than three hours. (laughs) And I'm going to go to Smith's grocery store. Notice I threw that in. A little cultural relevance there. (laughs) And when I walk into Smith's people are going to fall down on the floor and cry out. What must I do to be saved? Such is the fluorescent glow that emanates from me (laughs) here's the deal we're all broken busted human beings who are in the process of being reconstructed being changed gradually from one degree of glory into another and Jesus is not waiting until you become super Christian until he loves you comfort comfort my people thirdly God is mighty to immerse himself in our little lives he is mighty but he shows up in the details now when I became a Christian I got a little bit paranoid about that I would I would pray someone said pray about everything For that. Do you need
0: me to stand here? No, I don't. I don't. Would this, no, would no, this be no. like giving my blessing no, no, over no. your...
1: No, no. Off you go. Off you go. Okay. Thank you, Pastor. That was really smooth, wasn't it? That transition. See what we did with that? That's good. to pray about everything so it would be like do I go to Walmart or go to, do I go to Smith's what do, I, what do I do and that got a bit silly but I can we do pendulum swings from one extreme to another and we can forget that God can show up in our little lives and does and in Jonah he, he brings the wind verse four the sailors cast lots verse seven and it's decided it's Jonah he sends the big fish I love this it says God in the Hebrew God appointed the big fish it's like God went hey big fish get over there it's beautiful and there's the plant and the worm and the wind again he's the choreographer the book of Jonah is the story of the mighty God involved in our little lives he's close Dallas Willard the late great Dallas Willard off quoted here I know and rightly so He said, some think that God is a Wizard of Oz type being in a location very remote from us. The universe is then presented as chiefly as a vast empty space with a humanoid God and a few angels rattling around in it. Of such a God, we can only say good riddance. It seems that when many people try to pray, they have such an image of God in their minds. They therefore find praying psychologically impossible or extremely difficult. No wonder. See, he is the God out there, but he is also the God right here. Willard says that we should, when we pray, our Father who is in the heavens, excuse me, our Father who is in heaven, a better translation of the text would be our Father who is in the heavens, which includes the first heaven, which is the air immediately around our body. He is out there, but he is right here. If we don't get that, prayer will be like throwing snowballs at the moon. He's close in our little lives. He's mighty to save well, the last thing I want to say is this, and that God is mighty in power to do the impossible. He's mighty in power to do the impossible. Come with me just for a couple of minutes on a little jigsaw puzzle, piecing together some scripture. You see, in Jonah 2, Jonah's in the fish, and it says, From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, in my distress I called to the Lord and he answered me from the depths of the grave I called for help and you listened to my cry. The word grave there is the word sheol. The Jews, the Hebrews believed that was the place of the dead. Isaiah taught that sheol swallows up the living like a monster with a big appetite. But I want you to see this. In Jonah Sheol, death, the great swallower is swallowed up by another swallower the big fish then you turn to the book of Hosea Hosea says of God shall I ransom them from the power of Sheol shall I redeem them from death O death, where are your plagues O Sheol, where is your destruction Isaiah says he will swallow up death forever. Then Jesus comes, and then in Matthew chapter 12, Jesus, I think, throws a hint about the Jonah story. And he says, For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The final piece of the jigsaw is the Apostle Paul writing to the Corinthians, combining the words of Isaiah. And Hosea, the Apostle Paul, writes about Jesus. And he says, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is thy victory? Oh, death, where is thy sting? As Jonah was in shale, the swallower, swallowed up by a big fish. So Christ in his death and resurrection, swallows up the power of the thing that will be for all of us our greatest challenge, whether in grief or in our own passing, and that is death. He is mighty to save. So how do we, how do we respond to that as I close? Well, I think we respond with faith-filled requests and faithfulness maintained. If you go to the book of Daniel, you see Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They're heating up the furnace. Nebuchadnezzar, the most powerful man in the world, he says, bow down to me. And here's what the the boys say. First of all, they make a faith-filled request and statement. They say, If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He'll rescue us from your power, your majesty. That's the faith-filled statement, God is mighty. But then they say this, and so have some of you said this. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you've set up. Do you see it? They make a statement about the mightiness of God. And then they make a statement about maintaining their, old, their own faithfulness regardless of the outcome. And then when you go to the Garden of Gethsemane with Jesus facing the cross, you see exactly the same thing because he makes a faith-filled statement. If it's possible, Father, let this cup pass from me. You're able to do that. You are mighty. Nevertheless, he says, faithfulness maintained. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Faithfulness maintained. He is mighty to save. Whatever our circumstances, whatever our feelings, He is mighty to save. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for my friends here today the vast majority of whom I know nothing about their stories or journeys, but you do. You are our glory and the lifter up of our heads. And so strengthen your beautiful people with the knowledge again of your mighty power. Strengthen us also to be faithful when life screams at us to do something different. We whisper our words to you now wherever we are on the pathway. Enable us either to declare by faith you are mighty to save. If we cannot reach that place authentically take us on a journey to enlarge our vision of you afresh grant us expectation for the impossible mingled with an impossibly wonderful faithfulness thank you for the ability and privilege of being part of this precious community we agree together In Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Thanks, Jeff. Stand with me. Friends, I'm really glad you came to church today. I uh, really want to encourage you to take us up on... Some of Jeff's resources that he brought with you with him. Um, and some of you in this holiday season you're in a dark space and it seems to be getting darker. I wonder, boy, I just wonder if what you need in this season is a trusted friend in Jeff who can come alongside you w- w- with his book Faith in the Fog and, and help you find your way through the darkness. Maybe I know there are a lot of you who have an adult son or daughter who's running from God and, and you, you, they grew up in your home and you taught them about Jesus but right now they want nothing to do with him and I wonder if a few of you what you could do is come together in community and read his book about prodigals and encourage one another large group of you within our community in your 50s or your 60s who who have kids like that I encourage you to do this together do this in community and, and see what God does to encourage you this holiday season a season which it might be a little harder to put one foot in front of the other Look, if you came with a need today, we'll have people waiting here at the front to pray for you. So as our time together concludes, make your way up and invite them to do so. If you're watching this online, you can always email us, care at uh, because we'd love to connect you with people who can pray for you. Here's what I want to pray for all of you. My friends, may our Lord personally reveal himself to you to be mighty in mercy. No matter what you've done may he show himself to, to be mighty in the face of your fragilities to be mighty when you don't feel so mighty may he show himself to, to, to be so mighty that he can immerse himself in your life in your life in your life in your life and do so intimately and may you find him this season to be mighty to do the impossible if the impossible is what is needed Thanks for coming. Grace and peace.